You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. to Andy Kirk through ball to Mark De Vries a chance for Haas De Vries round the keeper and then to the net Mark De Vries 2-2 Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club who lo and behold have made one signing anyway, it's our signing at the time of recording, but we did promise that by the time we'd be back on with a proper football episode that we'd have at least one signing to talk about. And we do. I am Laurie Dunsire. I'll be here to talk about a new signing and hopefully some more new signings that might be in the pipeline alongside Mr. Mark Donaldson. Are, are you excited, Mark? For what? For the new signing or for the season ahead? <laughs> Both. No, <laughs> no, I've, not yet. I've, not I yet. Feel like I'm forcing it a little bit right now. But hold on, hold on. I, I wanted. I didn't want to open this prior to us recording. I'm going to open it now. I need that. I really need that. I don't even know what it is. It's, it's something. It's got an alcohol content in it. Some alcohol. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, it's a signing. Look, we're going to talk a fair bit um, over the next hour or so about other potential new signings as well. So. Uh, am I am I excited going into the new season? No, no, I'm not. I don't think many Hearts fans are. But there's plenty of time yet still before the first game of the season at St. Johnson to be more excited than we are right now. Um, it's it's not ideal. I said last week it's underwhelming. However, the wheels are turning slowly, but it finally looks like we're getting somewhere with new additions. So plenty to talk about today. Yes, we will talk about uh, one confirmed new addition at the time of recording. There's one pretty much confirmed that we'll uh, get to, I'm sure. We have at least one very solid rumour that I'll let Mark get into a little bit later. So someone who hearts are interested in, we understand. And although certainly nothing been done yet, it's something that might happen. So it's something to talk about. And we will look as well at some potential European opponents for hearts. Of course, it's only a few weeks away, uh, the season starting and the European season starting. So something we should look at. Um, uh, we are a, a man down this week. Uh, yeah, Mr. we're playing McGowan. with 10. We're they, playing they've... with 10. <laughs> We've used all our subs and he's been sent off. And we, <laughs> Maybe... we don't have anybody to bring in. We're keeping a low profile. Uh, St. Johnston yeah, so. lost one nil to Stenhouse Muir. Now you said you weren't, going, you weren't going to take the piss, but that was with him on the podcast. <laughs> I can take that, the piss it... if he's not here because he can't okay. defend himself. Well, um, what well, I like, I like to defend Ryan just just full stop because I like the guy. Kiss right? us. And, 
No, it's just I don't wind them up as much as you do. Ryan <laughs> McGowan was the player who I don't know if it was a voluntary thing. Um, if he volunteered to to do the the St Johnston media after the game, but but he did, and he and he spoke very well. So yeah, he, he's he's the type of guy that 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 you want. I I get why he's not on this week. If they if they'd beaten Stenhouse Muir, then I'm sure he would have been here, and you would have been taking the piss out of him. But we'll we'll give him a week off. After, <laughs> yes. After I, a result that wasn't great, yes, I jest slightly, and you and you are correct. He 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 put himself forward or was put forward, however it worked. But he, he gave a very good and frank interview after their defeat to Stenhouse Muir. And I I would have liked to pick his brain on uh, you know the reaction to something like that you know, on a serious note. You know, obviously joking around, but you know, Hearts have been there you know very recently with Brora Rangers. It's just even lower than um, League Two. No disrespect to Stenhouse Muir or Brora, but. Um, you know, outside of even the, the football league, Hearts lost to Brora. It was the Peterhead game that I remember all too well that I was at up north that Hearts lost. So these results do happen. And I, I would be interested at some point when we get Ryan back on to speak about how um, how a dressing room and how a team kind of react to like something like that because it's just, I, I guess there's a, there'll be an element of embarrassment and wanting to, to put it right. But I don't know if sometimes you can get a, you know, get a real picture of the characters. And I'm sure for Robbie Nielsen, that Brora game, I think that maybe told him a lot about, right, who's who's got the the metal here? Who, who's who got the mentality to succeed or the quality to succeed? And who, who am I going to have to get rid of? Mm-hmm. The interesting, oh, Ryan said a lot of interesting thing, things last week, but he spoke about St. Johnson going with a smaller squad this season. So it doesn't mean you can't make eight changes after a defeat like that. So you're no. right. It, it, it will show that. And look, we've, you're right. We we've had many bad results, and it's how you bounce back from that. I thought we were actually okay at bouncing back from from bad results, except the bad results came about pretty quickly soon after that, to which we bounced back from. So, look, I'm glad. I'm just glad we're not in the League Cup um, group stages because yeah. look at look at the stick that Jim Goodwin's getting at Dundee United right now after another defeat. This time at home to Partick after they'd lost at Spartans. So you're you're, you're going to get these these funky results. Was it not the case that we played the last time we played in the League Cup or the the second to last time we played in the League Cup in the group stages because we weren't in Europe? Did we not lose a game, uh, go through a, a group unbeaten and still not get through or something like that? So, yeah, it, you get some funky results and uh, we, um, don't then worry about that. What, what year was that? We weren't, so I think you're thinking we won every game, but we weren't, we ended up not being seeded. That was maybe, um, that was it, yeah. That was, so and we were we still drew... unseeded and we drew Celtic yeah, in the next was... round. But no, we've had our, you know, the the season with the Peterhead result, obviously we were, we were out before the final game against Dunfermline, which we still managed to, we drew and then lost on penalties and the penalties didn't, um, sorry, we were out because of um, the result against Dunfermline, which meant we had a meaningless penalty shootout, which was awful. It's very tough because you know, teams don't play as many friendly games before the season starting because they see this as a kind of half pre-season, but you come up against some of these teams that are really up for it. You know, maybe they've got a similar squad to the season before, so they're not trying to gel players. You're maybe trying to get some younger players in or get new signings in. It can be tough. And, you know, there's nothing to lose for Alexis Dennis Muir. So, um, yeah, I'm relieved that, that we're not in it. I'm hoping we don't have to go back to any time soon, but... You know, don't get into Europe next season, then we we could be. Yeah. But anyway, to, to, by the way, 2018 was it when when Hearts <laughs> we got away with murder? 
we got fined 10 grand for fielding an ineligible player against Cove <laughs> yeah, Rangers. Cool. Yeah. It was Andy Irving. Um, but, but that was it. Um, I mean, we, we sh- I think it's happened to other in the Scottish Cup. You play an ineligible player. Look what happened to Queen's Park with the, the on loan signing that they we had were, from us. We were bizarrely deducted two points. Yeah, um, not, 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 but three, not three, not three, no, but so it was we just enough so we had a score. Yes. Yes. They got nothing. We got deducted. <laughs> so we still got a point and they got nothing. Yeah, which seemed. They gave us odd. all three and then they took two of them away. Gave Cove absolutely nothing. <laughs> and we shouldn't have played one of the players. Yeah. If that had been the other way around, we'd still be talking about that. Anyway, we won't want to get into that because oh, we've got plenty of current day issues to, to chat about yeah. with Hearts. Um, so let's get cracking. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. The 1950s, exactly right. So, uh, before we get into uh, some of the you know bits of news that we were going to talk about this week, uh, I had a message from Scott McIntosh, who runs Amoruso Let's It Run. Now, he sent this last week, but I didn't get a chance to get to it on the last podcast. But I wanted to get to it just now because we're trying to get all angles now we will get to a few uh, opinions that people are very concerned right now um, but we like to give as many angles as possible and Scott gives a little bit of a, a different angle to how people are feeling about this pre-season so far it's still pretty relevant even though it is over a week since he sent it so I thought I'd get to this um, Scott says uh, hey guys great to hear you're coming back on hope you enjoyed your summer so far we did but we're glad that the football season is back soon uh, a few points regarding what is going on at the moment I'm fortunate to be from a generation where it was normal practice for managers to have two to three years to build successful sides capable of consistent top half finishes and cup runs. To achieve more consistency long term, we looked past two finishes outside the top four under Alex McDonald upon our return to the Premier League and also finishing fourth two years running under Jim Jeffries. We built our team uh, season to season, phasing out experienced professionals like Willie Johnson and Jimmy Bowen in the 80s and then Gary Mackay and Robbo in the 90s. There was no reinvention of the wheel in one summer, but rather a piece by piece recruitment drive, finding the right players who could complement the existing. 1997 summer, for example, we only signed Flugel and Adam. I think the frustration from the past few weeks stems from fans now being conditioned into seeing high turnovers of players year on year. Although that can be exciting at the time, seldom does it lead to continuity and results. I think we do have a lot of individual quality within the club. He says we've got two goalkeepers who would start for most of the Premiership clubs, a right-back who has defensive attributes to add to his game but who is adept at playing in the preferred system of the new management managerial team, a left-back who will make us money in the long run, Rolls and Civic, who have great recovery pace, good in one-on-one situations and will benefit from a meat-and-potato centre-half either returning from injury, Craig Halkett, or being recruited. Two midfield sitters in Benny and Devlin, who specialise in interceptions and pressing the game well. Yutaro Oda, who will need to be managed in terms of game time, but brings pace and direct style to the squad. Barry Mackay, who should benefit from the team having more of an attacking threat down the right and also Boyce returning. A complete forward in Shankland. And in Halliday, Haring and Kingsley, we have experienced pros who will naturally be phased out over the next 12 months to make room for youngsters or signings. This season will not be plain sailing. We do look likely to struggle against teams who turn over the ball quickly due to the numbers we want to commit forward and our inability to defend set plays. But I'm confident that the positives of our system and intent 
we'll see an upturn in our away form. Have faith, guys. Hearts, hearts, glorious hearts. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was quite a a very balanced and well thought out um, message from Scott. And we will get into some maybe of the concerns, but there is an element of that, isn't there? That it's not always about getting new signings in en masse every summer. You mentioned 1997, or Scott mentioned 1997. I always like to listen to what Scott says. I always think he's very balanced. Unlike most of us, he doesn't have a chip on both shoulders. Um, he doesn't have a chip on on any of his, his shoulders. He spoke about 97 and just adding two. But look at the two we added, Thomas Flugel and Stefan Adan. It was quality over quantity. And again, it's frustrating. It's even more frustrating when the, the supposed rivals for third place are, are adding lots of players or have added lots of players to their squad this summer. Uh, I made a comment last week uh, and I'm going to follow up on it. And it involves Hearts, of course, but it involves Hibs too. Uh, and I said that with regards to loan signings and loanees, the middle of July is not really when you get them because you've got to wait. Now, Hibs want to get Will Fish back from Manchester United. I was commentating on Manchester United yesterday against Olympic Lyonnais. And Eric Ten Hag has basically said, look, he's going nowhere right now because he played yesterday, came on in the second half, partnered Johnny Evans, and he'll now, well, he has, he's flown to the United States with the rest of the Manchester United squad. He'll play some games over there, depending on on which games he's selected for, and then they'll come back. And after that, Eric Ten Hag, uh, Mitchell van der Gag, uh, Steve McLaren, Darren Fletcher, and everyone else at Old Trafford will look around and go, okay, we're going to put him out on loan. We're going to keep him. And there were one or two players that played for Man United yesterday who were out on loan last season that won't go out on loan this season. And conversely, players that are still young enough who will go out on loan. So Will Fish might go back there, but that won't be decided until United come back from the States. And that's going to be, well, they've got a game on the 5th of August. So they come back at the start of August. So it's another 11, 12 days before they decide on anything like that. And most other should, Premier League teams are going to be say, the same. I should say Will Fish was left behind, apparently. Yeah. Interesting, because they were going to take him originally. I don't okay, know if you'd so, so I don't know if you'd seen this. This was only no. Um, this was only last night at the time of recording. Right. Okay. So, so they've obviously spoken to to Ten Hag afterwards. Behind, yeah. Right. Okay. Because the plan was because the likes of Eric Bailly stayed behind and, and one or two others that just aren't in these plans. But for the youngsters, the plan was to take Fish and and all the others to the United States. So that's interesting. That that might have changed that dynamic. So that might actually happen now. Um, if if he goes back on loan to Hibs or, or somewhere else. But on the whole, most managers, if they're not sure whether they want to send someone out on loan, will want to take a look at them. So it might be the case it's the start of August before if we want to utilise that Premier League market, the loan market again, and I hope we do, that we know if we've got a chance of getting someone from there. So it, it is difficult um, at this stage when it comes to the loan market but it shouldn't be too difficult when it comes to players if they want to sign them. And there's nothing really stopping them from, from doing that, apart from maybe a discrepancy in how much they want, how much you're prepared to pay. This is this should be the time to get it done. Ideally, you want it done kind of start of July so they're they're with you. Yeah. But I'm not I can't sit here and say I'm underwhelmed. I can't sit here and say I'm not excited about the new season and, and then on the other hand say or, or call for patience, because I'm going against myself. But ultimately, yeah. we have to wait and see. This is a this is a far easier question to answer 
um, the week leading up to the St. Johnson game, because we'll pretty much know what we've got, know who we're going to have available, and then we can say, has it been a good summer? Because right now, it's been slow. Yeah, I, I, I understand that, you know, the, the point you make about loan signings, and the same applies to other players, even free agents. You know, some of them will say, you know, uh, this is all complete hypothetical, but, you know, mid-July, player X says, well, I think I could get a few big moves. I want this amount of money. Okay, we can't go there. Middle of August, yeah, late August, player X, who's not had the offers he hoped, okay, mm-hmm. I'm open to talking now. Maybe I, Be- maybe we can do a deal. Because, so yeah, exactly got- what you've just said. So in, in middle of July, you're making the call, right? You can't get a deal done. Middle of August, you get a call. Remember that guy you phoned about? Well, that might be doable now. That's yeah. the way it works. Yeah. I, I think there is that side of it, and I totally understand where Scott comes from. And I, I, and I do like to see that, you know, like I said, we like to see both sides. I'm going to get into a few messages in a bit. Some people feeling slightly differently. For me, I would be lying like you if I said I'm completely, completely calm about it and not slightly concerned. I think, yeah, just because a deal's not been done early July, I know people were getting antsy even by then. That's not to be concerned about. But we're now, in the time of recording, it's Thursday. This is going to go out. People are probably listening Friday or Saturday. Well, hopefully we'll have something else done by then. But this is two weeks before the season starts. Two weeks Saturday, Hearts Place and Johnston. Not a lot of time to bed new signings in. And I, I think it would be slightly different if we'd ended the season and we'd, you know, everyone was very happy with the second half of the season and how everyone was performing and we felt we had a good player in every position. You know, if you have a good player and you've got cover in every position, you could argue, well, we don't need to get anyone in desperately because we can put out an 11 that we're happy with. I think the problem for most people is you're looking and going, okay, is Atkinson going to do a job at right back? He's good going forward, but as Scott says, defensive frailties. Defensive pairing at the back, concerns are about that. At the moment, it's the same defenders we're starting the season with. My bigger concerns are attacking, to be honest, with especially with Ginelli going. You know, Boyce, we can't rely on Boyce yet, you know, He's a great player, and I hope he gets back to where he was. He's not played a competitive game since last August, so he's going to need a bit of time to get back up to speed. In that attacking area, apart from Shankland, like I said before, we've got Mackay, who is off form. Forrest, who I think is okay, but is he my first pick in 11? No. Oda, end of the season with a couple of good games, but still a project. I think we've got a heap of gaps up there. So for me right now, my problem is... Anyone new is going to be probably maybe not fully up to speed by the time we play St. Johnston. And I'm not entirely convinced by the starting 11 that we put out at the moment. So I am slightly concerned. I think, you know, I wasn't expecting 10 signings. Um, I'm happy with the quality over quantity approach. But given the time it's taken, they're not leaving themselves much room for error, I would say. If we take all this time and we bring in three signings and we're like, yep, bang on. We can see why we've waited. They'll do a job. And we start the season okay. Okay, you'll get away with it. We don't bring those signings in. We start the season poorly. We end up bringing in maybe a couple of players who look to be, not desperation, but maybe look to be like we're taking a punt on someone. I think people will rightly feel like it's been a poor recruitment drive. But yeah, like we're still talking. We're still mid to late July. There's still plenty of time in this. Um, yeah, and and I told you last last week about Elliot Anderson, and it, it wasn't even we weren't even at the stage yet where yeah. that had come out. A um, couple of things: we need pace 
regardless yeah. of form last season, we need pace. We have to sign someone with pace. Ryan spoke about it last week. Teams can play differently against forwards that don't have the pace um, that guys like Gino had. So, so that makes life difficult as well. The other thing, just quickly going back to, to Scott's excellent um, email to you. Times have changed. We signed Thomas Flugel from Austria-Vienna. We signed Stefan Adam from Metz, who at the time, I remember going over there for a preseason friendly in 1998. They were a decent side. They were probably paying reasonable wages. We were paying more then than we are now. We paid more after the summer of 98, after we won the cup, we, up until the kind of Gordon Petrich signing, where he got five figures a week. We were, we were paying a lot more then than, than we are now. So the markets that we were looking for are very different. And, and that's I want to speak and that's even that's not even factoring in football inflation either. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And the other thing which we will go on to speak about because of the players that that we have been linked with, it's a different market down south now. And yes, you can look at a Premier League loanee because they'll pay either a lot or half or whatever all of his wages because they they want to see what you can do at a level like Hearts. But once you try and look at players that you want to sign. You can't look at the championship. You can maybe look at the lower end championship at guys that are coming out of contract. You've got to look at League One. That's that's where we are right now. And the player who we will mention later, who Hearts are being linked with, his wages at his current club would make him one of Hearts' top earners. And we want to sign him. And people are saying, why are we trying to sign someone from League One? That is the market. If you don't have the money that you were able to spend back in 1998... We're probably all, we're probably looking at players that are on half those wages right now. Then you are limited in what you can look for. On a positive note, we have signed someone uh, at the time of recording. Um, one player in. I think a few play, a few fans, I should say, maybe felt like uh, it was an underwhelming way to start the transfer business. However. The signing of 39-year-old goalkeeper Michael McGovern is a necessary and pretty sensible signing, I think. Um, 32 caps for Northern Ireland, capped as recently as 2020. Very experienced goalkeeper, last seven seasons with Norwich City, five of those in the Championship, two in the Premier League in England. Albeit only 20 appearances in the last six years and just one in the last two seasons. Uh, funnily, he was, a, I think a few, I saw a few people mention this, um, he started his career in Scotland. He has especially some very good spells with Falkirk and Hamilton Ackies before he went down south. I was very keen on Hart signing him in 2016, actually. I remember <laughs> that. Um, so it's uh, maybe maybe some will say seven years too late. But in all seriousness, it's not the signing that is going to get people excited. But you don't necessarily, you can't necessarily order your signings in that way. Get your big marquee signing in first. It's a sensible signing. You know, we've got Craig Gordon out. We still don't know when he might be able to return. We saw Xander Clark get a minor injury, thankfully, pre-season, but then we were down to Harry Stone, who's still not played a competitive game for Hearts. It's a signing we need, needed to make, didn't it? I mean, it's just simple as. Probably. I just wonder where it leaves Harry Stone. Harry Stone's 21 years old. He turned 21 on the 20th of April. There's a lot of goalkeepers that are first-team goalkeepers by the age of 21. There's a lot that aren't, but it's another kind of, it's another diversion in Harry Stone's path to the promised land that he might never he might never make. He might never be Hart's number one goalkeeper. We don't know. We can't see into the future. 
So I don't think he will. I'm not convinced. I think by now, um, from his loan appearances and and games for the B team and and whatever, I think they would have made their mind up if he was going to be the number two to to Craig Orton or something, the number two to Xander Clark right now. Then I don't know if we would have signed Michael McGovern. Um, so we've we've signed Michael McGovern basically as a replacement for Ross Stewart. So he he's the backup right yeah. now. And I don't know what their plans are for Hearts. It's it's fine. I think if Hearts had the opportunity to have announced the signing of Michael McGovern along with another player, I think the optics of that would have been a lot better. Like we spoke we've spoken a lot about optics and managers and technical directors and this, that and the other thing. It wasn't great. Everyone's kind of desperate for a signing and you get your hopes up and and yeah. It's it it is what it is. It's it, it was it was probably necessary. If they don't feel Harry Stone is a deputy or an able deputy right now, they probably wanted to sign an experienced um goalkeeper as backup to Xander Clark, but I think it's just it's unfortunate for him. It's the it's the timing. He might never play in a Hearts jersey. He might yeah. he might never get a game. Um, and that's why I just thought if they were able to make a double signing with him as one of them, it might have been a little bit better for him. But we want a signing, we get a signing, we're still unhappy. Hey, the hypocrisy <laughs> of football fans, they were all the same. Yeah, I mean, I've not seen much of Harry Stone. So I'm not saying I don't think he'll make it based on my um, deep assessment of his qualities as a keeper. My concern is last season, uh, either all we thought he was able to do or all we could get him in terms of game time was still playing uh, B-team football which is Lowland League um, and like you say he has turned 21 now at that point if that's the level that he is deemed to be at I, I struggle to see how he's going to kick on and become good enough to be a Hearts number one uh, I, I, there's a lot of sense to him not hanging around to be a number two slash three I suppose as well he needs to play uh, Michael McGovern doesn't need to play clearly you know he's at the tail end of his career uh, makes more sense to have him as your backup and you, I say two slash three because obviously when Craig Gordon comes back he's going to want to competing for the number one shirt so we'd have three very capable goalkeepers then is there any point in Harry Stone hanging around to maybe be on the bench sometimes po- possibly not but um, we'll see what happens with him in terms of other things that have been happening, we, we did have another pre-season game, um, a strange 120-minute game in total, I think two 60-minute halves they did, against League One Wigan. Now, pre-season games don't really mean an awful lot, but when fans are already unhappy, Mark, it doesn't help that you lose 3-0 to a uh, League One side. And I believe um, Stephen Humphreys grabbed a goal as well, didn't he? Mm. Is it, is it me or is is everything kind of been clandestine this this summer? It's kind of just <laughs> it was a bit. They didn't even confirm the result, did they? It just came up with that no. post match interview. We've not, we've not had one single transfer klaxon yet. I mean, even Michael McGovern was like, "Yep, welcome to Hearts. You signed a deal. Uh, hope you do well here." Um, next, um, <laughs> it's, it's it's just been the, the whole underwhelming. Behaviour, it's just a friendly Wigan and we, who did we beat? Forest Green or somebody? Um, <laughs> Fleetwood. Fleetwood. Fleetwood Scott Mac. Brown's mob. Fleetwood <laughs> Mac. We beat Fleetwood <laughs> Mac. It just, yeah. 
I really hope when the expectations are this low going into a new season, I remember 85, 86, there was no expectations, whatever. And that never mind pre-season. That that was that was up until um the 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 the, the early stages, the first week in October. I think the Dundee game at home, the one all draw at home was the, the first game of the unbeaten record um that, that stretched up until the, the final day of the league season. Up until then, I mean it it had been horrible. We'd lost six two at St. Mirren and so there's been seasons like that, but things just happen. And I I've got no idea if, if things are, are are gonna start off well. If we'd had Celtic away, Rangers at home, Aberdeen away as our first three then it would be a lot more worrying for me. But we've got games that are all right on paper. Goodness knows what's going to happen. But the preseason has just been, what, one game at Tynecastle against Leeds. They were hoping for another fixture that they couldn't end up getting. So they've got a, a training session. And good on them for, for inviting the fans there. But it's hard. It's hard right now. Um, how much money do we actually have? You're never going to come out and tell if you're Andrew McKinley or whatever. But I'm there's there's stuff going on. There's there's renovations. There's there's buildings of hotels and various other things. There's a lack of five million, which we would have had if we qualified automatically. We might still get there. Who knows? But it's just been. If you were to script this up as a miserable preseason, you wouldn't be far away from what's already happened so far. <laughs> True though, wasn't it? For that, and uh, after, uh, well, it's like the uh, I am Jolly just needs to appear. Reverend I am Jolly, Ricky Fulton on Hogmanale. Hello. Maybe since we're talking Fleetwood Mac, we'll have a we'll have a landslide of signings before the oh, good. Hey, if not, they the can go their own up. way. They can go their own way. Oh, boom boom. Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk Right, let's uh, hear what everyone is saying on Twitter to us about results, about signings, how they're feeling at the moment. Uh, HMFC France says, I couldn't care less about the results in the games. A bit concerned about the lack of new players, but I keep faith in the management. It's harder than we think to find the good players that aren't that expensive. The Maroon Report message and says, where do you see Callum Neuenhoff fitting into the team? And how do you think his inclusion enhances the current tactical system? Thank you for bringing that up, Maroon Report. Because yes, we've not even got to that. Well, I'll, I'll get Mark to talk about one of the rumours very shortly. But this one's certainly more than a rumour. This um, is a deal that, uh, by all reports, uh, is currently just waiting for a few um, things to go through. The SFA have endorsed the deal at the time of recording, but Hearts need to sort out a visa and a work permit to finalise this. So this is another six-figure sum uh, for Hearts to spend on another Aussie, a 22-year-old midfielder who's had five caps for the under-23s, came through at Sydney, where he played alongside Mr McGowan, and then joined Western Sydney Wanderers last year. Uh, apparently, uh, joined them as one of the best centre midfielders in the A-League at the time, started every game for them last season, and either a number six or an eight role in the centre, got four goals and scored and two assists. Now, uh, Peter uh, P 
Petrov or Petr Petrov on Twitter, an analyst who covers Australia, gave a bit of a breakdown of what he believes uh, Callum Newmanhoff is like as a player. And I thought I'd just quickly go through this because it's useful to to get this from someone who's looks likely to be on their way to Hearts. Uh, he says he's a robust and hardworking player who covers a lot of ground, but is also gifted on the ball capable of playing line-breaking passes and dribbling in tight spaces. He has a great shot on him, and his crossing technique is excellent, ranking in the top 10% for cross completion. He's a centre midfielder by trade, but is actually versatile and can play different roles depending on coaches' demands. He can sit deep as a pivot, although that's not his best role. He can also play as an interior in a three or as an advanced eight, but his best comes in the double six. God, some of the terms these days, honestly. The second part of last season, uh, Hoff played in a double pivot alongside former Man United star Morgan Schneiderlin who allowed Calum to push higher up the pitch and use his engine to influence the game in all three phases. Statistically Neuenhoff also impressed. He ranked fourth in Western City Wonder squad for accurate passes per 90 chances created and accurate long balls per 90 but tackling was where he really stood out. He ranked first for successful tackles per 90 with a success rate of 51%. Putting it simply, Callum is an exciting and unique young man and Hearts fans should be excited for this move because if you like Cam Devlin, you're definitely going to love Neubenhoff. So cutting through all that, Mark, all the jargon and stuff, what what do you make of this deal, which looks like it's going to be uh, a done deal pretty soon? I think when you make a transfer, you're looking for value for money. You're looking for someone that you can sign for an amount, and you can get X times that amount when you sell them. Uh, Hearts are a selling club, like at basically every club these days. So the target is to sign someone who you feel you're getting for less than he's worth and produce a platform for him to ultimately, if he does well, then you'll do well and you sell him for a lot more than you paid for him. The second thing, we'll speak about this player that we've been teasing that I put out on Twitter shortly but there's a lot of comments that are made these days if people haven't heard of someone they're automatically dismissed by a few not heard of them must be shite i always think it's pertinent and kind of smart to get the views of those who have seen said player that we might not have heard of but they've commentated on him they've watched him as a fan or or whatever so You've just mentioned someone that knows the player well because he's worked with him and commentated on him and reported on him. And the word from a lot of the Western Sydney fans is they're really sad to to see him go. So th- that that's the case for a lot of players. Let's let's dig a little bit rather than just the lazy never heard of a must be shite. All right, educate yourself first of all as to who this player might be before you you make your generic mind up about haven't heard of him, must be shite. Thirdly, it's probably not a position we need. So when you're looking for a right back, when you're looking for a pacey striker, when you're looking for a ninth choice goalkeeper, um, tongue firmly in cheek with the last one. But if he's someone who, if we're getting him for 400 grand or, or whatever, and his transfer value is a lot more than that. Things come about you, you, just because you don't need something. It, you don't necessarily have to kind of, well, forget about that. I'll move on. If he's going to get us goals from outside the box, we've not had that for, for a while. I mean, Rudy Scatchel gave us that. Um, 
Is he is he someone that's that's going to play throughout the spine of the team? Is he is he someone? I've I've watched the highlights um, that many other Hearts fans have done as well. Is is he someone that's going to give us an engine? Uh, he's going to defend from the front if he's up there and loses possession, or someone does. Does he get back? So yeah, it's it's a wait and see for him. If he's one of three or four new signings, five or six or whatever, then 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 great. Uh, I don't know if this is another attempt like an Aaron McInef, like a George Grant, to try and sign a 10. Um, bearing in mind, if we don't sign a striker, then it's going to be Shankland who's going to probably play in, in the striking position um, with with Boyce probably playing in behind. So we, we need someone that can play in that role. So I'm a firm believer of, of wait and see with this one. Um, again, we, we don't go on Y-Scout when it comes to trying... We, we don't sign players for hearts, right? So we don't know what has come up that's made him, whether it's an agency that they have good deal, dealings with or, or whatever. Um, but let's just wait and see because it looks like it's going to happen and, and the likelihood is that he will be the second player announced as a new signing for hearts. And if that's the case, I welcome that. We also got a message from John Cleland who says, we'll wait and see what the irons in the fire are but if we are heading into the season relying on this defence, I'm worried. Shipped countless goals through set pieces and were bullied week in, week out. Surely the coaching staff cannot be happy sticking with this defence. On that note, Mark, I will yes. hand you the, the floor because the rumour that you've dug up is related to someone who plays in defence. Frankie Kent. 27-year-old right-footed centre-back, former Arsenal defender, who is in the final year of a three-year contract, an three-year contract extension he signed with Peterborough in 2021, having joined from Colchester two years before. You hear a lot of rumours about players, but when two different people, and I'm not going to name who they are, but when two different type of people who don't even know each other um, are both saying the same name without it being offered to them. Have you heard about this? They come to you with this name. Then that intrigues me. Um, so Frankie Kent is being made available for transfer by Peterborough. They want to get some money rather than lose them for, for nothing next time out. So one of my first ports of call is someone that I used to work with. Um, at Talk Sport, Adrian Durham, who used to present Drive Time. I've known Adrian since I was at Talk 107 in 2007. So I asked him, he's a big Peterborough fan. Season ticket holder, goes when he can, obviously does match day at Talk Sport. Um, I said, what's your thoughts on Frankie Kent? Old school thud or blood and thunder centre back. Fans adore him. 100% commitment. Are you going to say thud and blunder? That's what he wrote. He wrote, he wrote, he wrote old school thud and blunder. I prefer thud and blunder. Um, thud and blunder just sounds exactly like what we're not looking for. But. Exactly. I kind of like it, we, though. We went to sign blood and thunder, and instead we signed <laughs> thud and blunder. Brilliant. So, yeah, that's what we're missing. We're missing someone that's going to put their head where somebody puts their feet when we're trying to defend set plays. Um, he is he, he, he can play the ball um, on on the deck. Maroon Report um, does always does good analysis, and there's a there's analysis on that as well. So where I think we are right now is that the player, if he does move, so he's, he's guaranteed his money at, at Peterborough for one more year. Um, 
if there is a concrete offer made, then I'm not sure that Hearts would be willing to pay exactly what he's after, but could they meet in the middle? If it gets that far, then, then I hope so. I don't think they're that far apart right now. But as I said to you earlier, Frankie Kent's wages right now, his weekly wage at Peterborough, would make him one of Hart's higher earners right now. That's him with the wage he's on at Peterborough. So there's a there's a lot of, of comments that that was made uh, that, that have been made on the back of the, the tweet that I put out just before we went out. Um David Ramage. Bit underwhelming if we do sign this lad. Might be in his prime, but unlikely to improve significantly. Spent most of his career in League One and Two with one season in the Championship. Surely our budget can stretch to better quality than this. Well, th that's the problem. If Hearts are, are looking at spending no more than, I don't know, five, six thousand right now, it doesn't necessarily mean there aren't players at the football club that are on more than that right now. But if that is the budget that they're looking to spend, because there will be a transfer fee involved for a player that's still got a year left, you're not going to get someone that's that's going to be on 15, 20 grand a week. This is this is what, what they have. So the response to David's tweet from W. Stewart, Messi isn't available, mate, and every other marquee name that you can. Underwhelming. Andy, it's like the club are trying to deflate the support. Other clubs making exciting signings, yet we're beginning to look desperate for anyone. Part of the team that collapsed versus Sheffield Wednesday, if you remember in the playoffs, primarily through an inability to handle the aerial side. We need someone commanding. Totally agree with Andy. We do need someone commanding. Now, was it not the case that Peterborough goals up, several goals up after the first leg? Was it not 4-0 first leg and then Sheffield Wednesday came back and yeah. Callum Patterson eventually scored and, and they went through on penalties? Um, six foot two. Uh, I'd be shocked. He was linked with Leighton Orient last week. Yeah, Leighton Orient have, have come up from League Two. They're in League One as well. Surely not at the level we require. Um, Ian Barkley. That's the problem. We can't match the money that's down there. Scott Baxter. A Peterborough reject. Someone hold me back. So there's a, there's a lot of negativity about that. But there's also a lot of kind of. I'm not saying they weren't common sense, but some of the messages that, that have come as a result of, of that tweet are basically saying these are the type of players that, that we're looking at right now. The loan signings are different. You can try and go for a young player who's at a Premier League club down in England, but you're not going to get that player probably until close to the start of our season. So, yeah, it's it's, it's this is what I've been told, whether or not Hart signed the player, don't know. There is an interest in the player, there's a little bit of a discrepancy right now between what he might be looking for and what Hearts might be willing to pay. But he does follow Jam Tarts on Twitter. He's a former teammate of George Grant. Again, he might be looking for a new challenge. Peterborough certainly can't offer European football, even if it is only for, for one round. But we've still got one more year of potential group stage football for one other team outside Rangers and Celtic. Um, and that would be next year. So, again, it depends what what any target that Hearts want. This will be one of many. There'll be many, many players who Hearts have looked at. They'll have seen how much he's on, and they'll have decided yes or no. Some might not go past first base. This one, I believe there's there's a decent interest in this, in this footballer. But as it stands right now, we're recording on Thursday night UK time. It's certainly something that, might happen a little bit more over the weekend with this one. It might not happen totally. It might break down, but there is interest from Hearts, and 
a player that would put his body on the line and might defend set plays better than the ones we've got, a right-sided centre-back. We'll wait and see, huh? you got to remember with the money in England, it's a different different level. I mean, last season in the Championship, you had some players, now these would be the higher-paid players, we had some players on 50 or 60 grand a week in the Championship in England. Um, apparently, the average wage in League One is around five grand, and that'll be including all the kind of younger, lesser-paid players as well. P- apparently, Barry Bannon at Sheffield Wednesday was in League One and was earning more than twenty grand a week. So, well, I'm not, I'm not surprised if Josh Donnelly's earning at least twice at Swansea what he was earning at Hearts. Oh, and there's that. no way we could have afford- Callum Patterson. We had to get him in January if we we're going to get him at all. If Sheffield Wednesday were going to get promotion, because he's another one that's, that's wages um, would have gone up. Interesting email from from not email tweet from Ross Brown. In response to the tweet I read out from David Ramage, what level of quality do you think we should be aiming for? So, the level of quality that Hearts should aim for has to be the same as the level of money we're willing to pay. You don't just suddenly say, well, we, we should be looking at players at the top end of the championship. You've just summed it up. We can't afford players at the top end of the championship to sign. We might look at players on loan, but that's Is players that the wrong market then? Are we, in the, I don't, are we looking in the wrong market, do you think? What do you want? And that's a good point. Um, we've we've signed players. Um, I think the January transfer window was, was a bust, a total bust for, for Hart. Yeah. So we can't afford... There's another thing. We can't afford to make the same mistake again because it was all roses. It was all beautiful smelling roses before that. Most of the transfers were working. Joe Savage was lauded. We haven't heard from him of late. Andrew McKinley's come out and and spoke at the plot ceremony and uh, last weekend and he's been open and honest and, and transparent, but we've not heard from Joe Savage. So until we hear from him, until he's questioned about the success that he had in the early stages and then the disappointment of last January and is asked the question that you've just asked, then, again, it's it's a summation of what we're doing. Scott McIntosh, you read out his email. He's followed up to the tweet kind of um, thread. At our level, it's all about finding players who complement each other. We don't have the budget to sign a squad of individual difference makers. Look at the 80s team. A lot of players deemed not good enough for the old firm, Preston, Bolton, etc., um, but they complemented each other. I'll take you back to someone that you fell in love with. And if he hadn't have said no to your marriage proposal, you would have eloped and gone off to France with Julien Brellier back in 2005. <laughs> Instead, you had to make do with a, a flag that you never gave back. He played in a friendly at East Fife. He came on at half time in July 2005 for a player called Alexander Katskovich. George Burley was not convinced. He then played him on the Saturday from the start at Sterling in a 3-1 win. He still was not convinced. He then played him in the 0-0 draw on the Sunday at Berwick Rangers. He eventually signs Julian Brelli and look at the impact that Julian Brelli had. There's a lot of players that we've had that we have come to us with low expectations and have been great. And there's a lot of players that we've signed who've come to us with high expectations and have been rubbish. It's very, I think if you can get a, a higher than 50% strike rate on your, on your signings, that's, that's all right in this day and age, don't you think? But where do you think our transfer policy should be right now? I was more asking the question. I mean, I know the Australian market is certainly one that we focused on and others have looked at that as well. Um, I know Aberdeen are starting to look um, a bit more kind of Eastern European um, with a few of their signings. 
And uh, yeah, I, I guess it's just, are we looking in the wrong places? Sometimes I think English, the English market is very tough, especially for a Scottish team, because even in third tier, you'll get players on more than, than Hearts can pay. And you go down to the fourth tier, you'll even get into non-league and you'll have players not on more than what Hearts would pay, but you'll have players who earn more there than they could for other Scottish Premiership clubs. So it's a very difficult market because there's so much money because it all filters down. Uh, not so much in the EFL, but it's still certainly in the Championship. And then there's a knock-on effect. If you're paying, you know, if some players are getting 40, 50, 60 grand in the Championship, you're not suddenly only going to get two grand in League One because, you know, teams go between the two leagues. So I don't know. More asking a question. You'll let us know what you think. Should Hearts look in different areas? I know we've maybe cast our net too wide in the past and maybe now there's more of a focus on signing, you know, home nation type of players. I know Robbie was very keen on that, especially in defensive positions. It's similar to Derek McInnes' approach. Maybe look at flair players you can maybe pick from other countries, but when it's part of the defensive unit, your goalkeeper, your centre-backs, your full-backs, the kind of, um, I don't know, the, the language and understanding the dressing room, the game side of things in this country is always deemed quite important. And that might be the ease of communication because the unit is quite important there. But it's more just a question than I'm not suggesting. I, you know, I'm I'm not a scout. I'm I'm not a director of football. I couldn't say yes. This is the market to go in. I like what we look at with the Australian market because you can get value for money. Um, but everything's a risk. Everything's a risk, though, isn't it? It is. It, it, it is. It is. And and one final thing from because Scott's gone back and forth. Scott McIntosh has gone back and forward with David Ramage in this thread. Um, <laughs> The example is Benny Beningamy didn't pull up any trees on loan at Wigan and Derby. Wage-wise, we are at mid-League One levels. That's the reality of our wage structure. No one is wishing this was the market we had to operate in, but it's what we have to deal with in the current climate. And as you say, if, if we can't find value for money down there, because this is a guy who's 27 years old, Frankie Kent, so if you're signing him on a two, it's probably not going to come up you know, on anything less than than a two, probably a three year deal. So you're you're buying a player therefore because he's got a year left. If if that's what Hearts do, that probably doesn't have a a sell on value, but you have got those three or four years of experience and you know what he's done. He might just be the type of player that Hearts are looking for. You might go back to the Japanese market, and um, that might help Oda settle in a bit better. The one thing I've always kind of thought would make sense, but you you rarely see it happen. I remember commenting on the Eredivisie um, back in 2010, 2011, and some of the players, I mean, Virgil van Dijk was at Groningen, uh, Kevin Strootman, Dries Mertens were at Utrecht, but there was a couple of players playing for Ajax um, at the time, the Central Defensive Partnership, that went on ultimately to play for Belgium together and Spurs together, Toby Alderweireld and Jan Vertonghen. I always wonder, not at that level, not at Belgium level, but a club like Hearts, could they find a, a national side that are ranked, I don't know, kind of in the 40s or 50s, depending on what national side that is, and buy not one of the centre-backs, but both. So if you know someone's got like a late 20s and they've been playing together for years, those two, and they're a really good partnership, I just find it strange. Obviously, it's difficult if they're at different clubs and you're not want to, to kind of, if you sign one, it's going to be difficult to get the other. But would it not make sense to to kind of look at that? If you've got players that know each other um, and you were able to make them um, arrive as a kind of pair, even though you had to buy them separately, would you not think that would be a, 
an idea or an option, or would that be too difficult to make it happen? There's a lot of um, things you need to, to to get aligned there with two potentially separate deals from two separate clubs, uh, make sure they're both keen to make... Uh, I understand the logic, I just think it would be very hard to coordinate. Um, but, One might be yeah. able to persuade the other, but... I just Maybe. You, you've already got you've already got a ready-made replacement because whoever whoever you sign as a centre back, right? You are hopeful whether it's a three at the back you play or a two at the back you play. You are hopeful, and you, this is why you do your scouting. You think, right? What type of player is going to work with Craig Halkett or Kai Rolls or Toby Civic or Stephen Kingsley or Alex Cochran? So you do that. But if you're able to kind of you already know that two players work together. It's just something I've always thought. It's probably never ever able to happen or possible. But I've probably just wasted three minutes of this podcast, and you can probably. But hey ho, more pish from me. You're listening to Scars Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Um, uh, moving on a little bit, Sonny Rocker messaged and went down a different avenue with what he messaged. He said, a um, couple of questions. One, will Andy Webster be good for the academy? And two, will any academy players actually break through this season? Uh, the academy has been lauded for a few years, but hardly produced a reliable breakthrough for players into the first team. So that's on the back of Andy Webster being announced as the new academy director of Hearts. If you have not seen the news update, the, of course, former Hearts defender and cup winner, now 41, who has been at St Mirren since he retired. His, his latest role was head of the professional game. So he's been coaching the younger players at St Mirren, working under another former Hearts defender, Alan McManus. So this is someone who made almost 300 appearances for Hearts across two spells and won the Scottish Cup in 2012. Very experienced player, someone who's been a guest on this podcast. Um, and I guess the biggest part of his remit is going to be to try and get that pathway for youngsters into the Hearts first team squad because it was highlighted, I read this in one of the news articles, since uh, the top flight uh, return in 2015, uh, since administration relegation, only two academy debutants have gone on to make a prolonged impact on the first team, and they were highlighted as Andy Irving and Aaron Hickey. So that's something we have to improve upon. And while Smart, you know, we can't really comment on the coaching abilities of Andy Webster because we don't know at this point. He's got a bit of experience. It's probably the type of character that's good to get back because we've heard him speak on this podcast. You know, we've heard him speak uh, in the press. Um, he's a very organised, dedicated and articulate person who I think would be a good role model at the very least to have in charge of the academy. Yeah, he learned a lot from Stephen Presley when he was playing alongside Stephen Presley when he came come in as a youngster. He was a very good cricketer as well. I mean, that could have been his sport. I remember but that, yeah. He, he spoke so well when he joined us on the podcast and I wasn't surprised in the least because I think, I mean, it, for, for him it's probably a step up from St Mirren, it's, it's head of the academy at, at Heart of Midlothian, which is should be a prestigious job. But ultimately, bigger picture, he he'll be judged by the development of the 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 teenagers, the boys and the girls at the football club, and and how many come through. Because ultimately, it's another pathway for Hearts for revenue, and it's an important pathway for Hearts for revenue. Now, the Aaron Hickey deal. Put that to one side. Because of the circumstances financially when, when that move happened, um, Hearts were, they, they weren't in a position where they could make many demands. It was a kind of, right, here's the deal, 
take it or leave it. And they, they had to take it. They got a little bit more um, from Bologna. But it, now we're in a position whereby if, if we sell a promising, if we, first of all, we get a promising youngster into the team who does really well, and then we sell that player, then we'd be in a much stronger position to negotiate future terms and everything like that. That didn't happen with Hickey because of the predicament we were in at the time. So I, I would kind of defer this to, to those that watched a lot of the B team last season. Um, I've just gone onto the Hearts website, by the way, and I've got like bios of all the B team. But when you go into squads and you go into playing squads for the under 18, you get two players, midfielder Callum Hambrook and forward Ethan Drysdale. So clearly that's not been updated for long enough. So again, I don't know enough about the under 18s at the football club and the talent coming through. There's enough people that listen to this who do, who would be in a better position to comment. But Andy Webster's role is to take these players to liaise with Stephen Naismith and with uh, Frankie McAvoy and with Gordon Forrest to try and get them into the team. And there's another thing you were speaking earlier about Hearts transfer policy. Are we just signing random 20-something-year-olds for the sake of it to justify the fact we've made a signing? And what that's ultimately doing is, is putting a youngster... Um, back um, another step in in his or her uh, his or her development. So, as long as we're all on the same page, that's important. You can't have the academy doing one thing, and and I don't think they will. I think Andy Webster, he's a really smart guy. He spoke very well. And what I would recommend is going back um, in the the kind of pantheon of previous episodes of scarves around the funnel, seeking out the Andy Webster one and have a listen to it now, knowing that he's with us. And the way that he speaks, I think we're in good hands with Andy Webster and I welcome this move. I think so. Um, the uh, Andy Webster episode uh, was December 2021, episode 164. Uh, he joined uh, myself, Mark and Ryan. So uh, you can get that on however you listen to your podcasts. I, I think it's a good point you made. Just, I was just going to briefly mention it. Yes, it's one of my frustrations. I think we've not done enough good business selling players in recent years, and part of that's developing them. You know, Aberdeen selling Calvin Ramsey, best part of five million quid. In terms of their own developed players, Scott McKenna went for over three million quid just a couple of years ago. Hibbs got three and a half million for Josh Doig about a year back. We need to do better in that realm, and hopefully... Andy Webster's the man to help us. Right, one final thing before we go, I want to quickly mention, um, just looking at time, I'll quickly mention some potential European opponents. We are getting closer to uh, Hearts entering the Europa Conference League, which is the 10th and 17th of August, the games will be played in the third qualifying round. Um, so they've only just played the first round at the moment. So most teams that we're looking at are still hypothetical, but you can kind of get an idea of the type of teams we might see. So in terms of who's in the third qualifying round, we'll be unseeded. Hearts will be unseeded in the conference qualifying round. The draw 24th of July, 10th and 17th of August, as I mentioned, for the games. Now, in terms of seeded sides, there's five who will definitely be in the hat that we could draw. That is AZ Alkmaar, Dinamo Kiev, Partizan Belgrade, Rapid Vienna, and Aruka of Portugal. And I had a look at these, Mark. I mean, look at the teams. I mean, Alkmaar, first off, reached the semi-final of the Europa Conference League last season. 
fourth in the Eredivisie. Um, they notably had that 7-1 aggregate win over Dundee United in the same round last season, defeated the likes of Lazio and Anderlecht on the way to the last four. Only two points behind Ajax in the final league table. Uh, safe to say that's a team we would like to avoid, I would think. There's a there's a few teams you want to avoid. Um, I, ideally, you, you you want to play against someone who doesn't start their league campaign until later in August, and they're they're nowhere near fitness wise at the same level as most others. The one thing I want to say about this is there's a there's a really good website um, that's done by Bert Cassis. It's a UEFA rankings website. So as it stands right now, and this is before the second qualifying round has taken place. The lowest seeded coefficient for the playoff round would be 22.0, and that would be Victoria Pilsen. So, to have a chance of taking a seeded spot, if we were, because we're unseeded in the third qualifying round, so to have a chance of being seeded in the fourth qualifying round, you're looking at having to beat one of the following if we're drawn against them. Club Bruges, FC Basel, AZ, Ghent, Kiev, Fenerbahce, Cluj, Mutualand, Partizan Belgrade, Palk, Maccabi Tel Aviv, Victoria Pilsen. Now, there might be one or two surprises. In the first qualifying round, there was only one unseeded team that beat a seeded team, and that was the Maltese side, Balzan. Um, and they got the better of Domjali, the team from... Uh, Slovenia. So they would take their position in the next stage. The problem being, Domjali's coefficient is only 5.0, and that isn't enough to be part of the seeded side. So hypothetically, to, to put that into layman's terms, if Hearts are to draw a team like FC Twente, or Rayeka, or Aruka, or some of the teams that, that the other ones that you mentioned, and we were to beat them, we would still be unseeded for the final playoff round, which includes yep. the likes of Juventus and Eintracht Frankfurt and and various others. So bearing in mind right now, Aston Villa is unseeded. Now, they are the top of the unseeded coefficients, so they're likely to move up, because you've got to think that at least one of the teams from the seeded side won't make it. So if Villa right now are the top of the unseeded sides, Athletic Club of Bilbao are in there. Th this ain't going to be easy. So... Uh, what you're saying is, we actually... It's not necessarily better for us to get a lower seeded team in the third qualifying round. Well, it depends who it is. Obviously, it, it would potentially be more winnable. But are you saying that we'd want a we want a middle ground, a twenty twenty two well, and above? If you, if yeah, if you if you draw that, that's the only way Hearts would be seeded for the fourth qualifying okay. round, the playoff round. The only way they would do that is if they beat a team with a coefficient of at least 22, which okay. includes the teams that I yes. mentioned. Which, which is going to be draw Aruka, who are 11.2, and they beat them, even though they beat a seeded team, they will still be unseeded. They would be the unseeded for the playoff round. But they could yeah. get someone like Maccabi Tel Aviv or Victoria Pilsen. Remember, Hearts were seeded against Zurich and screwed yeah. that up. So I just just give me, give me a fast striker. Give me a right back. Give me a rugged centre back in time for next week's show and and I'll be more enthusiastic and I'll I'll be more uh, I'll be happier to begin next week's show okay some big teams in there there are, there are happen, some though, is it? 
yep. going to happen. There are some teams ours could uh, could potentially get past. I mean, Aruca, who you mentioned, they were fifth in Portugal last season. Second time they've qualified for Europe. They're equaling their best position before. That was fifth in 2016. Um, the ground only holds 5,000, based just outside Porto. Population of just a little bit more than Musselboro. But famous last words, because um, we did lose to Birka Kara. We love getting uh, carried away in this podcast. We do. We're going to win every single week. And Let's take on Basel. It, We've beaten them before. Yeah, is, is this a season where we're going to have more realistic expectations about our football club, or are we just uh, going to go Yahoo again and think we're Right now, yes. Club? I will confess I can't remember okay. feeling quite as um, pessimistic, maybe is the word. I, I, I don't feel the same usual uh, excitement and slightly blind optimism that you often get before a season starts um, I hope that will change by the time we kick things off but right now I'd say I feel more apprehensive about the new season than anything Not great though is it? There's still time. Still time, still time. I mean let, let's be honest we've, we've got well ahead of ourselves and overly excited and things have come crashing down so maybe mm-hmm. this time it's going to work the other way. We have less expectations and, and things actually happen you know with with no expectations comes maybe greatness. I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully we'll have some more signings to talk about when we're back next week. If you want to get in touch in the meantime, you can tweet us at Around the Funnel or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Until then, thanks for tuning in. You can go, yeah.